All right, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, forsake us. Father, you are so good to us. So I just pray this morning as we gather around your word that you'd fill us with an understanding of who you are and the love you have for us again. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, I started talking a little bit about this uh, covenant that we're in now, the covenant of grace, and I want to look more at the old covenant and new covenant next week. But what did Jesus come to do? Did he come to condemn us? Yes or no? What did he come to do then? Save us, that's right. And this is the, the privilege that we have as people to be able to walk into a, an agreement with God, a covenant with God, that's of grace, where Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And we had a little bit of a look last week about uh, a story, well, we looked at a couple of stories. One was uh, Zacchaeus and the other one was about the women, woman that was caught in adultery and brought before uh, the crowd at the synagogue and, and how Jesus just didn't really answer them. They said, look, Jesus, isn't it Moses' law that this lady be stoned to death? And he didn't say, no, it wasn't. And they said, all right. Jesus said, all right, let's deal with it. He just wrote, was quiet. Who knows what he was writing in the sand there around them. But one by one, each of the accusers left. And at the end, only Jesus was there and he said, I'm not going to accuse you either. Go and sin no more. The covenant of grace that we're in allows us to live an amazing Christian life because we are now free. We're not condemned about what we are. And, and if we are not careful, and, and even if maybe this morning you're not a Christian and, and you're sort of thinking, what's this got to do with me, this covenant of grace and the law, um, as Neil's speaking today, you will know what I mean because you'll feel condemned before God. So many people before they become a Christian are really like, God can't love me and if I walk in the church door, maybe lightning will strike me. God's just not for me at all. But God sent his son Jesus in this world that the world might be saved through him. Not to condemn the world, not to say you're horrible, evil sinners, which we all are, but to say, I want to restore relationship with you and this is the covenant of grace. God's always been about relationship and just even as Ali said this morning, the first question in the Bible was, where are you? God was asking, where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? They'd done something wrong, but God's first response was to go and seek them out and try and restore relationship. It wasn't restored then, but Jesus was coming. God had put into, uh, into action a plan to save the world even before the world was made. He knew what we're like. He knew that if we were given the responsibility to choose, that at some stage, some person would choose to disobey him. They're given everything, Adam and Eve. From the beginning, you can eat of every tree except for this one tree. They're even allowed to eat from the tree of life until they ate from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's that one thing. Because God gave us free will to choose, he knew we were going to break the law at some stage. I often ponder about our laws in our land. It's almost like we're set up to fail, right? So we get speed limits, 130 kilometres an hour, probably the maximum we can go, around town, 80 to 100. And yet the government allows us to buy cars that go 200, 300 kilometres an hour. We're set up to fail, aren't we? Because we know if we get in a car that can do that, we're not sticking to any speed limit. <laughs> That's a good revenue raiser, isn't it? 
give them cars that go faster than the speed limit we can find them but that's sort of the way it is with with the law when when we start to live under the rules and regulations of what we think god wants we're just going to break them one day because we've been given the ability to choose if if we don't have god in our life there's nothing inside us compelling us to do the right thing which is why god has given us this covenant of grace I'm just going to show you a couple of cups here. Um, can you see them? Everyone? If I said to you, which cup would you like to drink from, what would you say? Clean one? Dirty one? You want to drink from the dirty one? <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> no, that's generally what we think though, isn't it? We're like, we'd look at these two cups, if someone said, go offered us a drink and they filled up, I, I wouldn't probably pick that one, would you? You'd pick this one, but then look. Disgusting. Look at that one. <laughs> Clean on the inside. And this is, a, this is sort of what the law does to many people. Did you know that criminals that are convicted, and this was from a, a survey of 440,000 criminals, after five years, 77% of those criminals were back in jail. Now, if the law could keep us from doing the wrong thing, no one will go back to jail, right? The law's there and it's good. There's nothing wrong with the law and even God's laws are obviously good and perfect. But as people without the Holy Spirit and God in our life, without this new covenant, we're bound to do the wrong thing because the new covenant of grace that we are now walking in was to deal with the heart of man, to get into the inside of us and change the heart of man not just the outside. So when Jesus was talking to, the, to a, a group of Pharisees once, he said, you know, you guys are so careful to clean the outside of the cup before you drink from it, but on the inside, you are dirty. Because from inside of you come, come these thoughts of murder and adultery and evil thoughts come from inside. You haven't been cleansed on the inside, but if you obey the law, most of us can sort of do that most of the time, can't we? If there's a law, we know if we get caught, we're going to get punished, so we'll, we'll obey it. But we're actually not really obeying it in here. We do things because we don't want to get caught or because we don't want to get punished or whatever that might be. It's not springing from this fountain of, I want to do the right thing. I want to live in righteousness. And so this morning I'm just going to talk a little bit more about this covenant of grace, that, that we need to understand that it is grace. Grace does not lead you into sin. Grace releases you from the law which only points to sin that actually binds you. People who truly walk in grace, who are truly free, live in righteousness because the Spirit of God is righteous and it lives, He lives inside of us. And he compels us and changes our hearts so that we live our, our Christian life in a way that pleases God. Now we know that to please God we have to be obedient, but obedience that's just out of obligation never pleases God. Because obedience that is born from faith is what pleases him. And Abraham, the person that God made a covenant with, the covenant of faith, who we are called his children, his faith was accounted to him righteousness. Not his good works, but his faith in God. The one in who he believed was righteous. And so he believed in God and he was then called righteous. Righteous Abraham is actually 
one of the names that is given to him. So, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it. And that is a beauty of what he has done for us. He's come so that we can be free from condemnation. In the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, he didn't just say, uh, I'm not condemning you, but there were these words at the end, go and sin no more. Because she was coming from this place where Jesus didn't condemn her, and he said, go and sin no more. My grace, my grace, my forgiveness, it's released you. Now go and no longer do what you've been doing. Grace is not a weak thing. Grace is not an excuse for our sin. I really, really hate that saying, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. It's true. But often people use it as an excuse to live a life that they used to live before Christ. I'm not perfect, so it actually gives me a right to just keep doing the wrong thing. That's not what grace is about at all. Christians aren't perfect but we are perfect in Christ. And this is a relationship that we need to push into so that we can have change in our life. We do not change because the law says we must change. We change because grace has set us free. As I said before, if that was the case, if the law was what made us right, then those who have been punished for their their crimes, 77% of them would not end up back in jail. And I would be certain that it's even a higher number of that that re-offend but are not caught. I'll be certain of it. The law does not set us free. The law holds us captive. And so those prisoners are held captive because the law exists. If there was no law, then they would not be guilty. And so when we think about the law of God, we, we only know that the law makes us feel guilty. And the Bible says that even today, and we're going to look at this next week, more, even today, wherever the law is read, people feel condemned. And you will go to many churches where it's the Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament, living like by these laws, these rules, this is what we have to live by, the Old Testament, and yet God said, I've done away with that covenant. I've given you a new covenant. It's better than the old covenant. The old covenant was basically, if you do all these things, as we said last week, then I will bless you. The new covenant is this, I've blessed you. And I can't wait to share that a little bit more as we go along on this series. That No, I've blessed you now. Go and sin no more. I've blessed you. I've forgiven you. I've given you grace. I've made you free. Go and sin no more. And because we understand the person who's been forgiven much is so thankful and the person who really grabs hold of that forgiveness of Christ lives out this life of amazing grace and freedom. You know what it's like if I stood up here and said, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you must do this, you must do that. Every single one of you, there would be something that I said would strike you and go, oh, I can't do that anymore, I'm useless. Now, the truth is we must understand that we need God for salvation and to change our life. And no, we cannot keep on sinning because Paul wrote, even Paul wrote, he said, don't take this grace of God um, and, and use it so flippantly and say I've been given grace so I'm going to keep on sinning that's not what it's about the grace you've been given is to set you free so you're not bound by the sin anymore the things in your past the things you've done the things you're doing right now they can't bind you when you walk into his grace it's a message of grace given to us 
there's correction. But we aren't given this ministry that Moses had, the person who received the law from God. If you, if you don't know that story, Moses went on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments and was given all these laws. And what's changed under this new covenant is not, we're not given this ministry of condemnation but the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back to God. What was that first question again? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? And you know what? God never stopped asking that question. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 5. I think we start at 17, 18, sorry, 18. So this is talking about salvation before this. It would be good for you to go and read it. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This is the gospel that we guard. This is the gospel that we've been given as saints, as people who belong to God, to join in a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, people who are far off from God are now brought close to him. Because sin does separate us from God, there's no doubt about it. But, but this message that God has for us is, I want reconciliation, I want you to be, be back with me. And as you can see there... It is God who brought us back to himself through Christ. This was nothing to do with us seeking God out. This was all about God reconciling us back to himself through Christ. It's a work of God for us. He supplied the answer so that we can come back to him and us, we are Christians to join in this. Because he showed us favour when we didn't deserve it. That's the message of reconciliation. Favour that you did not deserve. The ministry of grace, we did not deserve it. Yet, while we were sinners, he sent his son Jesus. Which totally shows us that it is not by anything that we do that we are brought close to God because it was while we were yet sinners. It wasn't while you were now perfect, God sent Jesus. But while you were sinners, he sent Jesus. Don't you think that's a little bit amazing? Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. And this is the beauty, guys. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Can I tell you now that if you're living under the old covenant still, that's the result, death in your life. But how many of us do that? How many of us still judge our own behaviour even? Oh, I didn't do this, so therefore... I'm dead to God. He don't love me no more. 
And the law that was written in stone was for a season to show us that we needed Jesus. It was necessary so that we would know that we needed Jesus. But this new covenant is a different one, and it's written by the Spirit on our hearts, where God said, I'm not going to write it in stone anymore, but in your heart. Now, can you imagine that even he says he takes this heart of stone and makes it flesh, that when God's Spirit writes something in your heart, it is embedded in your life. And it doesn't become about a rule and regulation written now. But what does it mean by written in your heart? It means that from now on your heart wants to obey him. When you truly give your life to him, you want to obey him. This is in the heart. You know when, you know when someone's doing something and their heart's in it? Have you ever had that experience in your own life? Maybe you've had a job for a long time and you're doing it for a while and you know you say, oh, my heart's just not in it. You've lost the passion. But when it's in here, when it comes from within, there's such a deep desire and passion. And that's what it's like with God. He said, now I'm going to give you this spirit, my spirit. And this new covenant is a different covenant because what does it do? It gives us life. It's so clear, isn't it? Why would you want to live under the old covenant? Why would you want to go back to just serving the Lord, the rights, the wrongs? when there's this new covenant with the Spirit of God living inside of you that gives you life? Can you see any value in it? I certainly can't. And as a person who loves God and that served God pretty much my whole life, I, I can't remember a day that I didn't love him. It never gets boring. It never gets old because God's mercy is on you every morning and when my heart cultivates thankfulness to him for what he's given me i only want to serve him more i only want to love him more when i wake up in the morning and i'm like thank you god for my family thank you for the amazing forgiveness that that you've given me it doesn't make me want to sin It just makes me want to be more grateful in my heart and a grateful heart is an obedient heart because when you understand what he's done you just can't bear to hurt him. You can't bear to grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't bear to walk away from him because you know that relationship. When you wake up with a grateful heart, when you understand the Spirit has set you free, you will be free indeed. So we, people of God, we're to join in this covenant This is such a privilege for us to know that because what it means is that we change our mind. We're not judging the world. We're loving the world. We're not trying to to put people in hell and keep them there. We're trying to free them and, 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 and just say to them, hey, listen, there's a new thing. God wants to have a relationship with you, but so often we feel it the other way around. God doesn't want to have a relationship with you because you're a sinner. You're a bad person. You get your life right and then you can come to God and then you will be saved, you will be okay. 
And I want to wonder how often do you speak this new covenant to people? Even your Christian brothers and sisters. How do you go about talking to them? Do you, do you go around with this grace in your heart, speaking into their life when you see them falling and, and the faults that are in them? Do you overlook it and, and go, you know what? God is with you. I'm praying for you. God's working on the inside of you and he's changing you every single day. Or do you start to put up these judgmental walls sometimes? I've mentioned it before. How do you know someone's worshipping God here? Is it because they're raising their hand? Is it because their head's bowed? The truth is you cannot know. It is impossible for us to know what is in the heart of man. Yes, we can see it as fruit develops in their life. But so often, rather than praying for our Christian brothers and sisters, we see a fault in them and we pick on it. We look at their weakness and we highlight it. Why? Because we're living under the law and often it's because we feel condemned ourselves that we condemn others. God said, by whatever measure you judge, you shall be judged. And and it also says that um, when you're righteous, you see everything righteous. And when you feel judged of God all the time, you are bound to judge other people bound to judge them. And so often we think, other people think what we think. So if someone does something, we will apply our motives to their life. And yet their heart might be pure and innocent. But because your heart's not pure and innocent, you judge them the same way. You get a revelation from God, but it's actually for everyone else. And you're happy to share that with them. They need to change. They need to do this. They need to do that more. But God might actually be speaking to you because his law is written in your heart and his spirit's working in your heart. And each one of us is a work in progress, right? I know I am. I know that day by day God is working in my life to change me, to make me a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better minister, a better person. And I would hate to think that the judgment of another Christian would stop me in my walk and make me feel condemned when I might be trying to pursue the things of the Spirit. I would hate to think that I'd condemn someone here, sitting here today, and look at their life and just say, well, God's not pleased with them, they're worthless. I know what's in their heart. I know what they're thinking. You know, they didn't talk to me today, they don't like me. Maybe that's because when you don't talk to someone, that's what you think that they think. So often, we project what we're thinking onto someone else because we feel condemned. Or we feel condemned by God or we feel worthless because we haven't tapped into the amazing, precious promises of God that talk about us in such glowing terms. We don't understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And so from our brokenness, we break other people. That's one of the big sayings that we hear, isn't it? Hurt people, hurt people. But you, Christian brothers and sisters, are different. You're different. Hurt people, 
that are healed by the Spirit, by their brothers and sisters speaking life into them, this new covenant of grace, they're preaching it to the others around them. And the good thing about this new covenant is it's not about our performance, it's about his grace. It's not about our performance, it's his grace. There are things that we can do that draw us closer to him, that make us understand him more. As I was sitting here this morning, I was just pondering to myself and I said, why wouldn't I come to church? Why would I neglect coming together? Because this morning as I sat there, I was like, I've just sung these songs about how much God loves me. Come to Jesus. He's there waiting for me. I see some awesome young kids up here getting prayed for. I hear people praying and, and the word of God being read, you know, Isaiah 53 about the wonderful things that Jesus has done for me. And the truth of the matter is, so many of us don't make that time during the week. I'll tell you what, I come on Sunday, it's awesome. But often we'll judge ourselves through the week, but God's saying, come. He called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? Not because he wanted to, to make them run away, but so that they could come to him. He already knew what they'd done. God already knows what you've done during the week. But he forgives you. You just have to come to him. You just have to ask him and come into that throne room of grace so you can receive mercy from him. And I'll tell you what, if you are not reading the word during the week or finding it hard to worship, at least, like for me, like I said, I come in this morning, I'm not going to leave feeling dirty and rotten and hopeless and and just useless, but the word of God is coming out. It's filling me. It's showing me who I really am in Christ Jesus. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 again, verse 2 and 3. This is about us. This is what happens when God starts to work in us. Paul writing, the only letter of recommendation we need is you, yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Every single person that is born again that actually trusts in this ministry of grace they become a letter to the world around them. I said last week that most people will become a Christian if they see one. That God wants to work in our hearts so that we can be this letter that the world can read, that they can look at us and, and see the freedom that we have in Christ, not this condemnation that we have by just obeying the law. Let's keep going, verse 4, 5, and 6. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. 
It's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. I want you to ask yourself this morning, am I living under the old covenant? Romans 7 verse 6 but now we've been released from the law did you see that released from the law it means that it's no longer holding us we died to the law we are no longer captive to its power what is the power of the law power is death that's the power of the law. Like I said, it doesn't give any life. It just shows me how much I miss it, how much I'm disappointing, how much I can't measure up to God's standard. Now listen, look what it says there. Now we can serve God. So what's that saying? That before we serve God, what were we serving? The law. And that's not how God wanted us to serve him. I don't know if you know the story, but Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, and she's like, you know, God, oh, Jesus, we, we, we worship God on this mountain. You worship there. Where's the right place to worship, really? This is how the law works, right? It binds us to a place, a time, a moment. If I obey today, I'm good, I'm with God. If we can't ever do it, remember I said... 1% disobedient under the old covenant, 100% curse. It was either 100 or nothing. Because it says, if you obey all that is written today, then I will bless you. Well, no one can do that. God's still blessed because he provided a way through a temporary sacrifice of animals so that people could still survive, basically. But when we serve the law, we're actually not serving God at all. We're held captive to the law of right and wrong. But see this, when we start to go to the new covenant, we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, God starts to write those laws in your heart. In fact, Jesus said when the Spirit comes, you won't even need anyone to teach you. Does that mean we don't come to church or listen to people who know something? No, what he's saying is that stop relying on something else to make you right. You are right with God, and guess what? You have access to him. There's a lot of problems in your life where you're looking for someone else to fix them up, or you're looking for someone else to blame. I've got this trouble in my life, and it should be, it's up to this person to fix me. Do you know that each and every one of you, if you wanted to, if you're struggling with something, if you're having problems, if you only went to God, he would show you how to fix it. Without someone else, but with the Spirit working. But the thing is that we need guides in this life. We need people who are 
pushing into him because we become deaf, we become blind, and we serve the Lord. But this new covenant isn't about obeying the letter of the law. It's in a new way of living in the Spirit. And the beauty of this is that when we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to do the wrong thing. You know that verse, or you might have heard of the verses that are like, you know, I, I can't do the right things when I want to and I do the wrong things instead. When I don't want to do the wrong thing, I still do it anyway. And often as Christians, this is how we think about that. I've got a split personality. On one hand, I want to serve God, but on the other hand, I don't, and it's never going to be resolved. But Paul was specifically talking about life before Christ, before the Spirit. Because then he says, but praise God, through Christ Jesus, I have been delivered from this. I'm not doubly minded anymore. I'm now hooked into God. Because he says in another part that those who obey the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you want to be obedient to God, it's not about trying. It's about giving yourself over to Him. Because when the Spirit is working in your life, it says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This morning, I just want to encourage you in that. I want to let you know you are free. You don't, you don't have to live in any bondage at all to sin because law gives sin its power. And I want to pray for each and every person here this morning to be able to see that, to be released from that. Not only that, but to release others from the condemnation that you give them. I'm just going to pray it for all of us this morning. And I really want you to settle it in your heart this morning and understand And I want to ask you, don't spend your time studying the laws of the Old Testament and trying to live by them because what you're doing is you're throwing away this new covenant, which is grace. The law is good. The law is righteous. The law is holy. But it is only Christ who frees. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you are the beginning and the end. Lord, we know that you gave the law through Moses, but, Father, it was only to show us the way to Christ. This morning, Father, I just want to break any power that the condemnation that comes from the law has over any person in this place, Lord. I just declare them to be free this morning. Father, I'm just praying right now that there will just be this great feeling and overwhelming understanding of the Spirit of God living inside each person here today. Lord, that you would write your law in our hearts, Lord, you promised that you would so that we can live in this newness of life. Father, we're not living in death, we're living in life. Father, we are empowered through the Holy Spirit to a life of service, of love, of overcoming, of power, of deliverance, of being set free. Lord God, let not that law hold us captive any longer and let us not hold captive anyone else. Father, but forgive us for our judgmental attitudes. Lord, where we've judged others unfairly, where we've put pressure on them and and put up a standard that they need to live by before we accept them. Lord, you accepted us. Even when we were sinners, you invited us into this relationship. Father, I'm praying for each person here this morning. 
Lord, that you would empower them to be witnesses, to be ministers of this new covenant, this ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people back to God, not trying to throw in more separation, but Father God, that we would reconcile people to you, to us, and to each other. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.